Welcome to the premium sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. It's Wayman Wednesday. That means you're about to hear a message from the founder of our fellowship, Pastor Wayman Mitchell. Even though he's entered into his reward and is in the presence of our Lord, we still need to hear his clarion call to faithfulness, holiness, discipleship, and commitment to the cause of Christ. Thanks for supporting World Evangelism with your premium subscription, and enjoy today's sermon. If you want to turn with me there, I'd like to minister to you for a few minutes from the Word of God, Isaiah 43. Praise the Lord. Every once in a while I run into somebody and uh, they say, <laughs> Amen. And they say uh, to me, uh, doesn't work. That's, that's what the problem is. It doesn't work. So I say, well, isn't that strange? Here, here you're seated in with 350 or 400 other people. Works for all of them. And uh, over across the world, there's millions and millions of people. It works for them. But here you are, poor old you, just miseries and troubles and sorrows. And out of all the millions of people that it's worked for, it doesn't work for you. But Dean Inn said a number of years ago, Christianity hasn't failed, it hasn't been tried yet. And so if you feel this evening that Christianity doesn't work, let's examine ourselves and see whether we really uh, uh, are in the faith or not. Amen. Take a good look at the Word of God. I have some... Uh, verses here I'd like to read for, to you from Isaiah 43, if you'll just follow along with me there. Quite an extensive reading. But now, thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee, for I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. And when thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior, I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia, and Seba for thee. Since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee and people for thy life. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from far, my daughters from the ends of the earth. Even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. Bring forth the blind people that have eyes and the deaf that have ears. Let all the nations be gathered together and let the people be assembled. Who among them can declare this and show us former things? Let them bring forth their witness that they may be justified. Or let them hear and say it is truth. You are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be any after me. I, even I, am the Lord. And beside me there is no Savior. I have declared and have saved, and I have showed when there was no strange God among you. Therefore, you are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. Yea, before the day was, I am he. And there is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work. And who shall let it? Thus saith the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I have sent to Babylon and have brought down all their nobles and the Chaldeans whose cry is in the ships. I am the Lord 
your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus saith the Lord, which maketh a way in the sea, and a path in the mighty waters, which bringeth forth the chariot and the horse, the army and the power. They shall lie down together, they shall not rise, they're extinct, they're quenched as toll. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing, now it shall spring forth, shall ye not know it. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beast of the field shall honor me, the dragons and the owls, because I will give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people have I formed by myself. They shall show forth my praise. Let's just bow our hearts for a moment. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I plead the blood upon this service. I claim a releasing of the power of God. I claim a renewing of every mind. I claim a refreshing of the vision of eternal grace. Touch every heart, I pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Here in the scripture, we see pointed out to us a destiny. Now, our generation has been caught up in astrology. We have computers that put out astrology. We have newspapers that spout forth wisdom of astrology. We have books and magazines and, and all manner of uh, printing and, and uh, communication and and ours is an age where multitudes of people, beloved, dabble with, and many seriously depend upon astrology. Down in, in Harold's church, when I was down there a couple of three weeks ago, there was a young man down there that was a professional astrologer that Jesus saved and delivered by the power of God. But the subject of astrology, perhaps you're a Capricorn. So you're a Capricorn, the stars are in a certain position of the heavens and therefore they give a readout on you and your fate is sealed and your destiny here's what you are here's all the tendencies you have and your destiny is sealed amen it's like going into a chinese restaurant and getting a fortune cookie <laughs> there you are you haven't even decided till that day you're going to go into the place so you stumble into the place and Order your dinner, and at the end, they bring your fortune cookie. So there's five people around, and so you break yours open, and five other people grab theirs, and you open it and say, Today, you have a great future ahead of you. Wealth is your possession. And I don't have a great deal of faith in that kind of stuff myself. Amen? Praise God. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Glory to God. Say, why do they put those in there? Because people like to get that kind of stuff. They like to dig on them fortune cookies, you know. Amen. Really spiritual. Your destiny is that you're going to be, you'll meet a stranger today. <laughs> Amen. Well, I want you to know something, friend of mine. Our destiny is a lot greater than ourselves. The Bible says these words, this people have I formed for myself. 
Isaiah 43 said, Even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory, I have formed him, yes, I have made him. You see, our destiny, beloved, is a great deal larger than ourselves. See, this involves a person, not a bunch of stars. This involves a relationship with a person. This involves the Creator and His people, not the stars of the creation and a bunch of people upon the earth. God says that you and I have a destiny that is greater than ourselves and that our destiny is with a person or the being that says, this people I have formed for myself. See, our destiny is God-sized. Our little peanut brains try to pick up something and our vision is localized and we can think some things and dream some things but you see what we're talking about tonight is God-sized it's greater than the creation it's greater than the created God says your destiny is locked up with me it's not in my creation it's not in the stars that are in the universe. God says your destiny is personally involved with me. And he says you need a God-sized vision of what your destiny is. I have formed you. I have created you. And I have created you for my glory. See, when Abraham was over in Ur of the Chaldees, he wasn't a great deal different than you and I. He was just a man like you and I. He had a family. Wife, relatives, he never dreamed that God would be laying his hand upon him. God spoke to him in the other Chaldees, told him to come up to a land he'd never trod on or he knew nothing about. God spoke to him there, and when he came into the land, Abraham never dreamed that one day God would speak to him and say, Abraham, you don't have any children, do you? Abraham, do you know what? I'm going to multiply you. I'm going to pour my spirit upon you. Sarah's going to bear a child, and you're going to have children as the sand of the sea. Abraham never dreamed that he'd be written in books that you and I in the 20th century would be reading about the faith of a man named Abraham out of an obscure city, Ur the Chaldees, that was to walk one day, and God's hand was to rest upon him. And today, people around the world, multiplied millions, would read about a man named Abraham, and yea, millions would be spiritual children of him because God had a God-sized destiny for Abraham that was greater than himself and laid his hand upon him and pulled him up out of Ur the Chaldees. See, you and I got little peanut brains and we start thinking about some dream or, some, or something that's involved. But you see, our, our vision is localized. We think too small. We think in human-sized bites. But God thinks in God-sized bites. God is involved in something that's God-sized. It's bigger than all of us. He has a destiny for the believers that's larger than you and I can even grasp. Well, the 12 apostles had no idea, friend of mine, when Jesus of Nazareth, the 
the son of the living God laid his hand upon them. They had no idea that one day millions around the world would know their name and that the impact of their lives and of their ministry would be felt by for 20 generations around the world. They had no idea that they were involved. But my friend, when they tied up with Jesus of Nazareth, the son of the living God, God who has man in his hand, God who has a destiny for man that believes, laid his hand upon them and they become involved in something that was God-sized. You see, what you and I are talking about it doesn't have to, have to do with 10 years, 15 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. Think back, friend. Good grief, I can think back when Prescott, Arizona was nothing but a dirty little old town with, a, with a, just a few people in it and it hardly amounted to anything. I can remember back in my boyhood when where I come from, people rode around in wagons and if anybody had a car, man alive, they were big time. That blow your mind? <laughs> Toilets weren't very fancy in those days, amen. Neither was the menu. And you read by a coal oil lantern. And you had butter by a churn. And you sent the eggs to the store. And if you had one good suit of clothes, thank God you had clothes to wear. And America was made up of rural communities of poor people by the multiplied millions. And they lived a simple life that was in the simplistic rural setting. And my friend, we never dreamed. Look back, I can look back 30 years and see things. And I never dreamed that we'd be sitting here. But my friend, that's just 30 years. Think of it. Look into eternity. Look into eternity a thousand years. Look into eternity a million years. Look into eternity eons of eons of space and time. And God says, this people have I formed for myself. Have an eternal destiny for this people. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus world without end throughout all the ages. Ooh, listen. <laughs> when you and I are seated here, we've only been together in the fellowship of this body some tiny sparse six years. Think on into eternity, a thousand years, beloved. And God has something. He has formed us. We have a destiny that our minds can't even grasp. God says throughout the eternal ages in Christ Jesus, I have formed you for, for myself throughout the ages. World without end, I have a destiny for them that believe and my program and my destiny involves them that believe and that are named by my name. Boy, that just boggles my mind. I can't even hardly think 50 years down the, down the road of Jesus tarries. Can you? I'll be dead and gone long before that. Most of you will too. Can you even grasp it? And yet God says, 
You're involved in something that's far greater than anything that you're involved in now. It transcends space and time. God says, I have formed you. You've got a destiny that is eternal. Ooh, listen, it ought to cause us to worship. We're involved with a God of glory. We're involved with a God that knows the end from the beginning. We're involved with one that though he's involved in a program that big, all the details are known, and he laid his hand individually upon you as an individual and said, I've got a destiny for you in eternity. We ought to worship him. We ought to glorify his name. We ought to exalt him because, my friend, this is our destiny. This people have I formed for myself. Now, this speaks of a relationship here. And this is a difference that makes a difference. Local dignitary uh, recently borrowed a book off of one of our members that uh, belonged to me that was put out on loan and so he belongs to a certain uh, cult hereabouts I could throw a rock and hit him with a stone and and so in this book he does a little writing and in this writing he just you know you, you don't want to ever write in a book that somebody else picks up because boy you never know the things you're ignorant about and other people find out you know <laughs> see if you're gonna be ignorant be quietly ignorant don't tell the world <laughs> And so he writes in this book, the book mentions Jesus Christ as a personal Savior. And he writes in that, where in the Bible does it say that? Tells about Miriam and the, and the daughters of Israel dancing with their timbrel. And he says, where in the Bible does it? Well, you know, if you read the book, it says a lot of things. You'd be surprised, it says. If you're going to write in books, glory to God, don't write in somebody else's book. They'll find out how ignorant you are. Anyhow, he, he, he derides and to him to get a grasp of the thought that, that, that we could know God as our personal Savior just blew his mind. He's not involved with that kind of thing. To you and I just take that for granted. That's, a, that's part and parcel of the program. That's what the Word of God declares. That you and I are involved with one that the Scripture declares. Not only do we have a relationship with Him, but the Scripture declares that personally He is our Redeemer. Isaiah says these words, Since thou wast precious in my sight, since thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee, therefore I will give men for thee, and people for thy life. I have redeemed thee, thus saith the Lord your, redeem your Redeemer. And we have the understanding in the word of God multiplied in the New Testament gospel. We're redeemed by power, we're redeemed by blood, and that involves Jesus, the Son of the living God. The scripture declares, friend of mine, that you and I have a Redeemer that is the difference that makes the difference you see there's the victory God says thou art precious in my sight I have loved thee when thou passest through the waters I will be with thee and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee when thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. 
God says, because I know you, because I've redeemed you, because I have relationship with you, because I have named you, because I have called you by my name, I am personally involved with you, and whatever life holds for you, I will be with you in that experience. You say, well, how's that help? Amen. See, we we're people. Just if it if God don't mind, we just do not go through the river. Amen. And we don't particularly like fire. See, we're made that way. But nevertheless, whether we desire that or not, it is a fact of life. That even though we believe in God and we are redeemed by God and we're related by personal experience with God, still life is as it were and God has not said you'll not go through the fire nor you'll not have any floods of waters. This speaking figuratively in circumstances, of course. But he says one thing about it, when you go, I'll be with you. So how does that help? Well, let me illustrate it this way. I heard a story of a preacher not long, not many years ago, and he was preaching concerning this fact, and he was talking about his life experience when he was a little boy, and uh, there was a bully lived down the road from him, and so every time, when uh, uh, every few days he'd come back from school, this bully would get on to him, and he was bigger than him. How many ever seen a neighborhood bully? How many have ever been a neighborhood bully? <laughs> Amen. I know you're in here. <laughs> Amen. I never was big enough to be anything. Amen. <laughs> but I used to try anyhow. <laughs> Praise God. So anyhow, he got sick and tired of this neighborhood bully. And uh, when he'd come home, uh, but I can tell you one thing, if you learn to talk fast, you can, you can get by quick and you can get a long ways you learn to talk. Amen. Talk mean. Boy, you'd be surprised how many. Amen. <laughs> so, as he would head home from school, the neighborhood bully would grab him, hold him down. And I, used to, I, I used to live right up from Miller Valley School and, and there was a boy named Bill Fax. God love him. I hope he ever got saved. Anyhow. He and I, every day after school, we'd get into it. He was about 40 pounds heavier and I was a great big old brute. And he'd get me down and hold me and sit on me. And, uh, and I couldn't move, you know, just, boy, I, I want to get up so bad. And so he said, do you give up? Said, no, no, no. Do you give up? No, no. I'll let you up if you give up. So okay, I give up. As soon as I got up, back I was at it again. You know? About 14 times a day before the day ended. Okay, so anyhow... This neighborhood bully gave him a rough time every day when he went home from school, and so he went and told his big brother. He said, look, this guy's beating me up, and I can't, I can't. And he said, you can whip him. No, he said, I can't. He's bigger than I am. I can't handle it. You can whip him. No, he said, I can't. He said, listen, I'll tell you what. Tomorrow night, you tell him you want to meet him over in the barn. You get him in the barn, and when you get him in the barn, I'm going to be up in the loft and there's a knot hole up there and I'm going to watch. And if he starts to whip you, I'll come and help you. <laughs> so he gets him in the barn, says, come on up to the barn, I want to see you. So they goes up to the barn 
And man, this little guy just tore his head off. <laughs> Sent him crying on his way. First time he'd ever been able to do that. And so his brother come climbing down, said, boy, you really fought good. Man, that was, said, I didn't know you could fight like that. Where'd you learn to fight that good? Said, you did really good. He said, boy, I just really can't. But he said, all the time I was fighting, I knew you was up there looking through the knot hole. <laughs> you see, there's something about human nature when we know that God is present with us, it greatly uh, ministers unto us and we're able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we even ask or think because God is with us and in us and the scripture declares that God says he's involved personally with you now. He don't leave us to the, to the ravages of the world. He doesn't leave us to the circumstances of life and just say, okay, there you are. You're in the world and you just get by as best you can. Wipe your own nose. Fight your own fights. Just take care of the best you can. But I'm not going to take care of it. You better pay attention that you do things right because you're on your own. You see, that isn't what... We're talking about a redeemer. We're talking about a personal savior. We're talking about one that loved us and loved us in spite of all that we are and has redeemed us, purchased us personally and he names his name upon us and he is personally involved with you and I and not only that the Bible declares that he is omnipotence and we're linked up with one who is omnipotence all power in heaven and earth over every circumstance over every situation I even I am the Lord and beside me there is no Savior I will work and who will prevent it are you still with me See, we have a destiny, friend of mine. And in that destiny, we're linked up with one that is intimately involved personally with you and I, who knows who we are, who knows where we live, has loved us still, has named his name upon us, and has purchased us personally, redeemed us by the blood of Calvary's Lamb. This gives us a tremendous freedom. Now, there's a great lesson here for you and I, and we need to mark it down, and perhaps this is the key, the whole thought that is involved here. Someone has written concerning life, I believe it was in a Reader's Digest not too long ago, an article about barnacles. How many of you read that article about barnacles on ships? And someone wrote... Behold, a certain ship set forth on her voyage. And the captain had made adequate preparation for her needs in anticipation of nearly all conceivable problems and dangers. Soon, however, the ship began to be difficult to handle. Her stability was impaired. Her speed was slowed. This all because the captain had neglected to check the hull for barnacles. See, there's a little microscopic creature that grows in the oceans. And that microscopic creature fastens itself, not above the water, you can't see above the water, but below the water, and they're called barnacles. These little barnacles are one of the major problems of shipping. Listen to this. They reproduce themselves at the rate of 1,000 
billion per year per half mile strip. One half, 1,000 billion per year per half mile strip. Fasten themselves on the shell of the hull of an ocean-going vessel. It soon causes a loss of freedom and mobility in that vessel, causes a difficulty of steering, causes a difficulty of stability, and a lot of other problems. And Reader's Digest said these, these facts, that the drag by only a six-month growth of these barnacles can reduce the ability of a ship where it takes 40% more fuel to go normal cruising speed. Can you, can you grasp that? Here are these little creatures working below the vision, down underneath the level of the water, underneath on the hull of the ship, fasten themselves to the hull of a ship, growing at 1,000 billion per year for a half-mile strip. Here they are, cause a loss of mobility and cause such an obstruction and grow and proliferate to such an extent that a normal ship will have a 40% power loss because of these barnacles that have fastened themselves to the hull. One shipping dry dock company, Merlin a Shipping Dry Dock Company, off of one ship took 15 tons of barnacles chipped off over a ship that accumulated in the period of two years. We see there's a tremendous lesson here for you and I, and it bears on the subject that we have in mind tonight. For in the spiritual life, very often, you and I come into circumstances whereby we have allowed these barnacles to grow on our ship of faith. Don't blink at me, you see. <laughs> There's a mobility problem. There's a stability problem. Because we have allowed, you know, barnacle's not very big. You, you just barely can see, but you see, it's the millions that are multiplied. And boy, them little, them little uh, creatures, when they, get, they, when they get a hold, they just multiply. Man, that's better than rabbits, Amen. Are you with me? You see, there's many a person who above the level of the water, everything ship shape looks just fine. Things are just functioning just great. Looks good. Superstructure's all in place. Smoke comes out of the stack. I hope not. The feeling that I got back from that was that there was some coming out. <laughs> loss of mobility, loss of speed, loss of power. takes more fuel to get you to function in the Christian faith. Amen? You see, but God's got an answer for that, friend. And he says in this verse of Scripture that we read, Behold... I will do a new thing. Now this speaks of freshness. Stay with me. Remember you not the former things, neither consider the things of old. I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions, verse 25, 
for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins, forgetting, the scripture declares, those things that are behind. So here we have then, we have God's remedy for the life that is barnacle encrusted, that is allowed to become encumbered with these things. God says, I want to do something for you. I want to cause a freshness to come into your life. I want to cause a liberation. I want to cause a freedom to come that you can be what you were engineered and constructed by the Holy Spirit to become. See, a lot of people allow the old barnacles of problems and the old barnacles of resentments and so on to build up on them. They, they allow the old barnacles of inactivity. You, you know how you want to get in trouble? See, you see these people come in. Here they come in once a week. Amen. See, barnacles grow in stale water. They don't grow on a moving vessel. Here they come once a week twice a month at least, come in, get just as far back as they can get on backsliders rule, never get involved in anything where God could be doing something, but they stay in the stagnant pools of Christianity and Christian involvement, stay out. My friend, you want to know something? You want to get full of barnacles. You just live that kind of a Christian life. But if you want to be free of barnacles, get up and sit on the front row, glory to God. Where the flow is, get involved in Christian activity, get involved in outreach, get involved in witnessing, get involved for God. And the scripture says that if you get in the flow, God says, behold, I'll do a new thing. See, a lot of people just sat in the old stagnant pool of the past. I failed God. Well, so you failed God. God says... You're not dealing with somebody that's in a human program. God says, Behold, I'll do a new thing with you. I don't care about the past. Remember not the former things. He said, I'm going to do a fresh thing with you. Lay hold of me. Get in the flow of what I'm doing. God says, I'll take you and the barnacles will be stripped off and you'll not be encrusted. But you see, a lot of people just mully grub and they just stick around in the old stagnant pool of an experience that they had 15 years ago, a mistake that they had 15 years ago, a mistake that they made five years ago, round in, the, in just the anti-currents of Christianity, just enough to keep their little tootsie in the water, but not enough to get involved. If you want barnacles, just sit around. I used to go swimming as a kid. They called it Downer's pond up here. There's the houses all built up there now, but it was up Downers Trail, what was known as an old trail up across the rocks out here, east of Miller Valley School, and it was Downers Pool. And along about the middle of July, when it hadn't rained for a while, and that water would get so stale and stagnant, you could look down there and there's little red wiggly wugglers all going through there. We used to swim in that stuff. Can you imagine that? To wonder we had a diet of typhoid fever. We didn't have enough money to go to Granite Dells, amen. I come from the poor side of the tracks. So we got water where we could get it. See, a lot of people are like that. But the scripture says that God says, I'll, be, I'll do a new thing with you. 
I'll cause you to be in the stream. I'll cause the past to disappear. I'll cause you to be formed and do a fresh thing in you. It is because of the mercies of the Lord, the scripture declared, that we are not consumed because thy compassion fail not. They are new every morning. See, if you want to find the secret of Christian experience, when you get up every morning, bless God. If you want to examine yesterday, examine it. If you fail God, just say, God, I failed, but today's a brand new day, Jesus. And the scripture declares that the flow of God is an ever new, creative, fresh flow of God's power that moves upon human experience. All sins are washed away. All failures are washed in the past. And it's not stagnant, but it's fresh. God says, that's what I'm doing with you. Can you say amen? Stories told of a couple of minutes. There's a lot of people, they want to say, well, you know, if I, if I had this, or if I hadn't have done that, or if I was involved in this, or if I was involved in that, or if I was where so-and-so was, or if I had what's the advantage that such-and-such, such, listen, friend, you need, to, you need to learn that God says to you and I, and any time that he convicts us by his spirit, he says, I want you to begin right where you are. Can you believe that? Stories told about uh, two Negroes were sitting on the porch of a store. One of them was a great big Muhammad Ali, George Foreman bear of a man with muscles all over him. And he was sitting there looking out. And the other guy was a little bitty guy. And the little bitty guy looks over to the big guy and he says to him, Man, you is some kind of man. Look at them biceps. Man, he said, if I had biceps, what I wouldn't do with those biceps? He said, you know what I'd do if I was a man like you were? You know what I'd do? I'd go out in the woods and find me the biggest bear in them woods. And I'd whoop that biggest bear in the woods. Big man grunted. <laughs> Looked over to the little man. Said, there's a lot of little bears in them woods. Why don't you go whip some little bears? <laughs> you see if you and I would quit looking at other experiences and other advantages and be honest with God right where we are right with the habits that are hanging us up with the problems that have us bogged down with the barnacles that are fastened upon us and say God right now strip them off and from this moment forward Lord I'm going to start afresh and anew You'd see God begin to work with your life in a tremendous way and you'd begin to see that the Christian life does indeed work. It has largely not been tried. God says I can take any man or woman regardless of their state. I can cause a power to come to them, a realization of eternal destiny, a realization of my redeeming, forgiving grace. And I can cause my power to enter them and the fresh flow and the stream of the ever new presence of the living God, the omnipotent eternal God to flow through them that will cause them to become the creature that I've determined that they would become in eternal destiny. Well, our heads are bowed this evening and our hearts are open before the presence of the Lord. God has so much potential in this congregation 
that would absolutely shake the roof. If every man and woman, every young person would rise up in faith in Jesus Christ and begin to take God at his word and begin to live the promises of God. We'll begin to exercise their faith in the word of God. You have power over powers of the devil. You can cast out devils. You have power to lay hands on the sick and they recover. You have power to pray and God hear and answer your prayer. You have power over the works of darkness. God is looking for a man, a woman, a boy or girl that will rise up and take God at his word. He has ministries within this congregation that have never been dreamed or realized. He has power and potential to raise up individuals in this congregation, obscure individuals to fulfill ministries that will shake communities with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, too often we hang on the sidelines and we hold back in the eddy currents and the stale waters of past experience or of excuses of our own personality traits or failures or shortcomings or lack of advantage or recognition or opportunity. When all the time God is saying, never mind what's past, never mind what's done, never mind, God says, behold, I will do a new thing. Rise up and begin to march forth and take me at my word and I'll strip you and cleanse you and renew you and make you to become that creature. Behold, I make all things new. I wonder all over this congregation, quickly as we bow just for a moment and hesitate, there are people here that do not know Jesus Christ, but you feel his love and the touch of his grace and of his mercy. And you're here tonight, your heart is hungry to receive the life of the Son of God. And you're convicted of your need and you feel your desire rising up to receive what God has for you. Maybe you're a backslider. Or maybe you've never accepted Jesus and you don't understand all of this, but tonight you'd just like to go out of this building free. See, freedom in Jesus Christ. Would you slip your hand quickly up and right back down and say, Pastor, would you pray for me tonight? I need God and I want to go out of this building saved and clean and renewed. And I want to go out saved. Here's my hand. Would you pray for me? Would you slip that hand quickly up and right back down all over this building for a moment as we hesitate and pause in the presence of God? You'd say, Pastor, I need Jesus tonight. Would you pray for me? I want to go out of this building safe for eternity. I want to go out washed from the guilt of my sin. And would you pray for me tonight? Would you slip that hand quickly up and right back down while the love of God ministers in this building tonight? Would you do that? For Jesus. Hallelujah. See, you don't have to be the way you are. You don't have to be the creature that you are. You don't have to be the failure that you are. You don't have to be beat down and discouraged and defiled and guilt-ridden. You can be free if you'll accept and receive what Jesus Christ has done for you. He loves you tonight. Would you slip that hand quickly right up and right back down and say, Pastor, would you pray for me tonight? I need God. And I want to go out of this building free, changed, 
by the grace of God and the wonder of his love all over this building. He loves you tonight, friend. I feel his presence and his power. I feel his conviction and his love. I feel his dynamic moving of the Holy Spirit. Would you yield to what you feel? That's the Holy Spirit inside saying, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man open the door, I'll come in and sup with him and he with me. Would you slip that hand right up and right back down before we change the order of the service? Say, would you pray for me, Pastor? I need God. And I want to receive Jesus Christ. I want to be made whole. I wonder how many all over this building tonight, God has touched your heart in a conviction of your need. You're saved. You know Jesus. But you've just been lagging back in the old eddy pools of stagnation and letting barnacles build up on you and you want to flow for God. You want to get right in the stream where your life is kept free and clean and freedom is your position. And you're here tonight and God's definitely dealt with you about some problems, some barnacles that have been fastening themselves to your life. You'd like to slip your hand up tonight and say, this is God, this is my hand. Lift them right up there. Just hold them. Lift them up and hold them before God. Amen. All over this building. So I've got some barnacles fastening on my life. Hallelujah. Lift them up there. Amen. God's here in power and demonstration and mercy and deliverance and freedom. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we look but acknowledge our need, how many more slip your hand right up there and hold them? Say, I, Pastor, yes, I want to get free tonight. I want to get clean. Amen. Amen. We're going to stand. We're going to sing that chorus, There is a river that flows from deep within. These altars are open for anyone that would like to come. Many saved people have raised their hand. Many unsaved people have need of coming down, getting your heart right with God. If you raise your hand, I want you to take the second step.